From the Political Science Department at UW-Madison, I'm Adam Wigger. I'm Mia Wagner. And I'm Michael Mikowski. I am a candidate for President of the United States. I am going to run for President, that's correct. What's going to be different this time? We're going to win. We are going to son of South Bend, Indiana, and I am running for President of the United States. In this podcast series, we will speak with UW-Madison faculty members and other campaign and election experts and hear their insight into the 2020 election. And we will make America great again. This is the United States of America. There has never... To announce my candidacy for president of... This is 1050 Bascom, election 2020. Today on the podcast, we are happy to welcome back Professor Cannon to talk about Joe Biden's big win in South Carolina this weekend, Pete's sudden drop from the campaign, and the state of the race generally. Thank you so much for joining us today, Professor Cannon. Good to be with you. So we can jump right into the results from Saturday. What's your big takeaway from this weekend's results? Anything stand out or surprise you? Well, it was a big win for Biden, you know, much bigger margin than people were predicting. I think the biggest uh, percentage I saw in any forecast coming in was, say, about 40 percent. And he got 48 percent of the vote. Mm-hmm. You know, it's better than a two to one margin over over Bernie Sanders. So it was a, it was not just a win, but it was a convincing, solid win. And interestingly, if you look at the total votes cast now in our first four states, we've had Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. This puts uh, Biden about 55,000 votes ahead of Bernie Sanders in the total votes cast because South Carolina is the biggest state of the four so far. Now, delegate count Sanders is still a little bit ahead. Mm -hmm. But another thing that's really important for your listeners to keep in mind is the fact that less than 4% of the delegates have been allocated at this point. So we're we're still, this is really just the the start. Now, this is all going to change tomorrow night, of course, on Super Tuesday, when over a third of the total delegates... Uh, pledge delegates will be decided tomorrow night. So this is all kind of the warm up for Super Tuesday tomorrow night. And this was a a huge, much needed win for Joe Biden, because if he didn't have a, a at least a solid win in South Carolina, it was going to be really tough for him to get the money he needed, the momentum he needed for Super Tuesday. So I think this was the boost that Joe Biden needed. Now, whether or not it'll be enough remains to be seen, but this was was definitely about as good as the Biden camp could have hoped for. Right. And looking at this victory, too, is this sort of the story we had been hearing all along that it was this black vote that Joe Biden performed so well with in South Carolina. Is that the reason he won that? It was a big part of it, no doubt. The, yeah, based on the, the exit polls, uh, yeah, that was his strongest base. I, I saw the one uh, exit poll had like 60% of okay. African-American voters voting for him, which is obviously higher than the 48% overall. Also among older voters, he, he did uh, the best as well. But kind of across the board, it was a pretty strong showing. So we're starting to see that Biden has a problem with younger voters. He's has difficulty getting their votes. Why do you think that is? And do you think if he becomes the nominee, younger voters would eventually come around to support him? It's a really good question. Uh, so, yeah, I think Joe Biden for a lot of younger voters is seen as being kind of uh, the the candidate of the past instead of the future. And that yeah. they, they see him as, you know, Barack Obama's vice president and a longtime you know, serving senator from the uh, state of Delaware. And they, they, they don't see his ideas and his policy positions as being anything that 
you know, is likely to lead to big change in the future. And that's the attraction, I think, of younger voters to Bernie Sanders is that he talks about, you know, we need a revolution. We need to really change the way the politics works. And Joe Biden's response is, you know, the voters don't want a revolution. They want results. And so that's the way he's trying to frame this is kind of the, the pragmatic politician who can get things done versus the revolutionary dreamer who, you know, never has gotten things done is the way Biden would frame it. The way that Sanders frames it is, well, we need to think big, like that we, we are in a mess right now and to change things, we have to, to really think big. And so I think it's that more forward thinking approach that appeals to Sanders, uh, has Sanders appeal to young voters and why Biden does not. Whether or not they will, young voters will get behind Biden if he's the nominee, I, I think they're, yes, they overwhelmingly will back Joe Biden over Donald Trump. There's, there's no doubt about that. The question is, like, how many will actually turn out to vote? Will that enthusiasm factor you know, be there? And that's what I think the Biden supporters are worried about, is that you know, young voters never vote as much as older voters. There's almost a straight linear relationship between age and turnout. The older you are, the more you vote, up to about age 80, and then health concerns make it drop a bit at, you know, at that point. Um, but so... So the but with with the Sanders uh, Sanders candidacy, there's more of a chance of flattening that curve anyway and getting the the younger voters to turn out at a higher rate than they otherwise would. And with Biden, I think the concern is that you just wouldn't be able to get that same level of excitement out of the younger voters. I think you still would see that huge gap. I mean, young voters are not going to be voting for Donald Trump in big numbers. The question is, you know, are they going to turn out for for Biden if he's the nominee? And that's a big question. And maybe flipping this question too, we talked about Biden and his support with African Americans. Does that principle also apply to that voting block? Right. Oh, for for Sanders, absolutely. So that that you flip that question around for for Sanders, and that's the big question for him. Mm -hmm. um, can you get the African American voters, which are a huge base of support for the Democratic Party, can you get them to turn out for Sanders? And that historically has been a real problem for him, and it's been. Biden's source of strength, as we definitely saw in South Carolina. And we'll see more evidence of that you know, tomorrow night from uh, states like Arkansas and, and Virginia, Alabama, that also have substantial African-American populations. And if that trend continues of Sanders not winning much of the African-American vote, then that's a, a question mark there. I think the bigger problem for Democrats would be if Mike Bloomberg were the nominee for African-American voters. I mean, there's where you have a, a huge problem, I think, given his history with the stop and frisk policy in New York City um, and other issues as well, where he would really, I think, turn off African-American voters uh, even more than, than Bernie Sanders. But I think that's a low likelihood of, of that happening. But that would be another thing to throw in there. Another big discussion in this primary and making a lot of news recently as Bernie and Biden emerge as sort of the two front runners is where will they push swing voters when it comes to Trump in the general election, should one of them get the nomination. So there's this discussion happening. There's also conflicting research that at least we've been seeing in the media, Vox coming out and saying Bernie will push swing voters to Trump, but also a number of columnists um, saying the opposite. What is your take on that? And where do you think these voters land in the case of a Biden or a Bernie nomination? Well, there's no doubt that a Sanders candidacy pushes swing voters to, to Trump. That is, I, there's no question about that. The question is, is that counterbalanced by bringing out new voters in the base? So the, yeah. so the debate is base versus swing voters. And what's the relative balance of those two things? Um, and so the that's the the big question with with a Biden candidacy versus a Sanders is that, you know, do you need those swing voters, those moderate voters to be able to to beat Donald Trump? 
um, or it, with a Sanders campaign, can you risk losing many of those swing voters to Trump and make up for that by bringing in more young voters, bringing in more people who haven't voted before at all, the, the new voters, uh, and, and win by mobilizing your base that you know, maybe didn't turn out in as big numbers as, as they did in 2016, or bringing in you know new voters who haven't voted. And here, it's it's a it's a tough question, um, and we obviously won't know until the election is is run. But uh, there are a, a couple things like early indicators that indicate it would be tough uh, for Sanders to do that to the, to have enough of the base voters that would counterbalance the loss of the swing voters. Um, one is South Carolina on Saturday and looking at what happened to the African-American vote with, with Biden, because that was one big reason that Donald Trump won in 2016 is that African-American voters did not turn out in the numbers they did for Barack Obama in 2008 or 2012. If you just look here in Wisconsin, you know, the drop in turnout in Milwaukee among African-American voters alone was enough to give Trump the margin of victory and uh, in Wisconsin. Now, not to say that that was like the only factor. There are many other factors. The fact that Hillary Clinton never showed up and campaigned in Wisconsin once. And so I think she's bears a lot of the blame uh, here as to, to why that happened. But that does go back to the earlier discussion we were having about Bernie Sanders and African-American voters. And that and they are such an important part of the base that it's hard to win an election if you don't turn out that that base. And so, you know, can you then make up for that by bringing in new voters? And here, again, the early evidence is not very um, convincing on that point. When you look at turnout in 2020 relative to, say, 2008, um, where Barack Obama did bring in a lot of new voters. We haven't, in most states, uh, turnout so far has exceeded 2016 in some states, but hasn't exceeded 20, 2008. And so if you really are going to have a revolution, you need to bring in a lot of new voters right. to be able to make up for the drop in the African-American turnout, perhaps, and also then to counteract the swing voters you'd be losing to Trump if uh, Bernie Sanders were the nominee. Uh, so so it, it definitely could be done, but and we'll I think again know more after tomorrow night when we look at the turnout figures and see, you know, from the exit polls, is he bringing in a, a new you know, group of voters that haven't voted before? Um, so yeah, we'll know more after tomorrow night. So what does Biden's victory mean for Bernie and the rest of the competition moving forward? Yeah, so I I would say that you know it, it definitely makes the race more competitive than it was before Saturday, no doubt about that. But I don't think this is by any means an indication that the Sanders campaign is in trouble. If you look at the states coming up tomorrow night, uh, he has a comfortable lead in, in California. Um, he's even ahead in Texas, which is a, a little a little more surprising. Um, he's well ahead in Colorado, Utah, Maine, of course, Vermont is his home state, and even Massachusetts, somewhat surprisingly. He could win in, in Elizabeth Warren's home turf, which would, you know, if that happens, and, you know, I think that puts uh, Sanders back in the, the driver's seat. And so so this is certainly a, a bump in the road for, for Sanders. And I think what What's going to be crucial tomorrow night is to see how many of the candidates are getting over that 15% threshold in enough of the big states to divide the delegates. Because you can imagine a situation where you know Sanders would end up with, say, 40% or so, but then the other candidates like all split the vote pretty evenly. 
and maybe only one more gets above 15%, well, then Sanders could get you know a, a huge percentage of the delegates, even if 60% if of the people didn't vote for him. Um, now, on the other hand, if it's much closer and Sanders is winning states by, say, 35%, and there are three other candidates that are all over that 15% threshold, you know, at that point, you're dividing the delegates pretty evenly. And, and so that means that a contested convention is much more likely because uh, Sanders wouldn't be coming to convention with, say, close to a majority of the delegates if that were to happen. So that's going to be the big thing to keep an eye on Tuesday night is to see what the margins are and how many candidates are over 15%. So what I'm kind of hearing from you, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but the way this is kind of shaking out as I'm seeing it is we either end up with a pretty easy Sanders nomination or a brokered convention that's kind of like the dichotomy of what we're looking at. Is that true? Or is there still a possibility for Biden to pick up a majority of delegates? It's pretty unlikely that Biden would be able to get a majority of the delegates at this point, but it's certainly possible, um, especially you know, the states he's ahead in right now for tomorrow night are Alabama, Virginia, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Arkansas, which would give him a good base of delegates uh, from, from Super Tuesday. And if, say, he could build enough momentum from his win Saturday night to pick up Texas, for example, and to make it closer in California than people are thinking, you know, then then it does get more interesting. At that point, you know, I'm sure Biden would would become the obvious alternative to Sanders. So I think more money would start flowing into his, his campaign. Um, so I wouldn't say it's impossible for Biden to get a majority of the delegates, but certainly the least likely of those three scenarios. And so the way you phrase the two scenarios, alternative ones where Sanders wins it, it uh, easily or it ends up being you know a, a deadlock convention, I don't think there are too many scenarios that have Sanders winning it easily either. Yeah. I would say there are definitely plenty of scenarios where you can win the nomination outright. Um, but I think it's even more likely that it's a, a deadlock convention now than any outcome. Um, and that would especially be true if Bloomberg sticks in for a long time and ends up splitting the vote three ways instead of two ways. Yeah. Road to victory, the road to Milwaukee is right? quite long. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting, and, and you know, to think about what could happen there, uh, you know, with you know the previous question about the role of the party here and the superdelegates, I mean, there's no doubt that they don't like Bernie, and um, that if it goes to the the second ballot, a big majority of them would get behind whoever the alternative is to Sanders at at that point, but it would be pretty hard for the party to do that if Sanders had a strong plurality. So say anything like over 45% or let's, or even like say over like 47%, then mm -hmm. it'd be really hard to say, okay, we're, you can't have the, the nomination. I think he would get it at that point. If it's around 45%, it gets a little trickier. If it's under 40, then it's kind of fair game. I think anybody could, you know, uh, even you have a dark horse emerge, like go back to Warren or bring in, you know, some more consensus, uh, you know, candidate, um, if you could find, you know, one of the other alternatives. So at that point, it truly would be a, a brokered convention, but I, that's, you know, less likely, I think, than, than the alternatives. When we talk about delegates and superdelegates, especially considering the New York Times report saying that a lot of them would not back Bernie Sanders, uh, who exactly are we talking about? So, so they're, they're mostly uh, elected Democrats. So they're the House members, senators, governors. Um, so they're the top political leaders in the party, the state party chairs, other other party officials. Uh, that's so they're they're uh, sort of the definition of the party establishment. 
And the reason they don't like Bernie is that Bernie has never been a party player. He's always been kind of an outsider, has never even self-identified as a Democrat. He caucuses with the Democrats in the Senate, um, but he doesn't self-identify as a, as a Democrat. And so the, the Democratic establishment has never trusted him. He's, he hasn't been a consensus builder. He hasn't been a, you know, a sort of traditional politician really since the, the beginning. So that, that's why they, they aren't backing him, at least in the kind of numbers that they would back Joe Biden, say, right now, and why they overwhelmingly went for Hillary Clinton over Sanders four years ago. So tomorrow is going to be Michael Bloomberg's first contests anywhere in the country and a lot of places what are your takes on his debate performances how he is effectively or not effectively challenging the current contenders that have delegates have participated in contests thus far like what's your take on bloomberg yeah it's a bit of a wild card right now if you look at the polling he's polling sort of mid-teens in a lot of the big states so enough to probably pass the 15% threshold, at least get some delegates. Um, but it, so far, it's a pretty, you know, it's, it's not as high as you'd expect, given that he's spent almost a half a billion dollars yeah. already on ads. It's up to amount. like $500 million spent, which is a huge amount of money, um, way more than any other candidate. Um, and his debate performances were abysmal. I mean, he, it was they were terrible. It was just yeah. <laughs> call yeah. it what it was. I mean, it just like he did not answer any of these questions that he needed to know were coming. The things about stop and frisk, uh, about the, uh, the the problems that his his firm with uh, the the suits brought by women for sexual harassment. I mean, these are all things that that he had to have answers for, and he really didn't. And um, and so just across the board, he, I thought, was really not very good in the, the debates. His ads have been pretty effective. I mean, he, yeah. you know, if, if you just look at his ads and the kinds of things he's talking about in the ads, these are things that the Democratic base cares about. I mean, climate change, and gun control and health care. I mean, he's really hitting like the core you know, Democratic Party issues. And the ads are, are pretty effective. And he's going after Trump in a way that some other candidates aren't, which is something also I think it will need to be done in order to beat Donald Trump. And so the ad campaign has been effective, but, you know, based on the polls, he's, you know, really not performing as high as he would need to be to be a serious contender here. So I, I don't know what he's likely to do uh, after tomorrow night if he, say, you know, doesn't pass the 15% threshold in a bunch of states and he just, you know, sort of finishes second, third, fourth in, in a lot of states. Yeah, you know, will he drop out? Will he stick in to the end? That that really is one of the bigger wild cards in, in the race because he has indicated that he is willing to spend his money to defeat Donald Trump, even if he's not the nominee. But would he suspend his campaign now and wait for the general election to do that? Or would he stick in still to the convention and, and try to be a player at the convention? And that we yeah just don't know yet. All right, Professor Cannon, thanks so much for sitting down with us. We're looking forward to tomorrow and seeing what, what all happens with what we've talked about here today. So thank yep. you. All right, very good. For more information about the podcast and to submit questions regarding the 2020 elections, visit polisci.wisc.edu and search for 1050 Bascom. You can find more episodes on all streaming platforms. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, and subscribe. Thanks for listening to 1050 Bascom, Election 2020.